listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you. That's sort of, you're not the only church, but you're a real church. You're very genuine, authentic, and it refreshes me. I feel like I'm in a living room when I'm here. And this is the way it should be, isn't it, Dan? And Connie, it is. And so it is a joy to be here. We have uh, been all over the place, it seems, since we were here last year. And uh, I brought with me a friend who is older than my wife. I mean, I just want to say, it's just very good. Uh, I've known this guitar, though, only as long as I've known Anne. This is Solomon. Say hello. hello. No, no, I was telling the guitar to say hello, but that's okay. <laughs> this guitar uh, came with Anne when I married her. And her Anne's father played with Jimmy Davis and Sunshine Boys, but nobody knows who that were. they were. Played a couple gigs with them, and Aretha Franklin, he played for her. And then, and then I'm just thankful that I didn't know that this guitar was coming with Anne to keep my motives pure. This is a 1946 D18 Martin guitar. So uh, I've had it in Europe for 42 years, and I brought it home this year. And it's happy to be here. And um, I thought I would just sing something on this one uh, at some point this morning. I'm not sure when I'm going to do that exactly. I'm sort of... What's that, hi? Okay, never mind. Uh, anyway... It is, uh, so anyway, I just want to introduce Solomon to you, and uh, it's, I named the guitar Solomon, I think, when I knew John Tracy uh, that many years ago, because Solomon built the temple, and so that's what the guitar is for, to build up the people of God, to encourage them, encourage you, that's what it's all about. Um, The other thing, a number of things I want to share with you, actually, I want to Say we've been in from the Baltics, as uh, you intimated. We are all over Europe. Europe is our parish. No, I'm not Catholic. Okay, I'm not Roman Catholic. I'm Catholic. That is, I'm part of the Universal Church. And I'm, we're working literally from the Baltics and from north of there in Finland, all the way down through Central Europe, all the way down to Southern Europe, down to the Balkans. And uh, it's, it's, we just have so many experiences we could share, but we're going to be disciplined this morning to share some things God put on my heart been stirring my heart with the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, recently we were in Kosovo again, which is uh, where, yeah, you can hold Solomon. Just, there we go. Thank you. Uh, we were in Kosovo. And uh, I won't give the whole story, but just to say that we were introduced to a facility uh, that is known as the oldest church building in the continent of Europe. That is, when Constantine, in the year 370, somewhere around there, up around that that season, uh, gave license to the Christianity to be the church or the the, uh, religion of the Roman Empire, whatever his motivation, God knows. Uh, When he did that, he licensed facilities to be built. This is the first one they dated now uh, that it was established. So I had a man of God took me out there to this facility that's, you know, it's just an archaeological dig. But it was just an awesome experience to walk 30 kilometers away from Pristina. Uh, This area was known as Illyricum. This is what you'll find in Romans, I think it's chapter 15. 
uh, where it talks about Paul said, and I preached the gospel throughout the entire region and throughout entire Illyricum. And so we walked around this building, uh, this, the foundations of this building, and on the right-hand side, there was this huge flower-shaped uh, uh, architectural structure foundation. And I said, what was that? And he said, that's the baptism. And, it, and, it would, and he said, this was a reservoir, and it filled up. Now, the interesting thing is this man of God I was working with was a Catholic priest of St. Uh, Mother Teresa Church there in the country. And so I said, so you mean they immersed there? He goes, yes, that's where they immersed the people. Anyway, I thought that was really sort of a nice little thing, you know, sort of an unusual thing for a Catholic priest to say. Um, he's a man of God. He, has, he pastors the, highest, the church with the highest steeple in Pristina. Every other corner has a mosque, and you hear through the night these calls and in the early morning. But this church bell rings there faithfully every day, and it's lovely to hear as over against the other sounds that you hear there in the country. And uh, I'll, I could tell you a lot about Catholics, okay? Look, I know we're going Catholics. What are you talking about Catholics for? I mean, because God loves people. And, uh, and God allows us to penetrate worlds that we never dreamed we would penetrate because he loves, he loves people. But anyway, uh, so that was just a side experience this year. And then plus, there's so many things God's doing. This priest, by the way, said, you know, we talked about what we could do. He, came, he said to us at the end of that time, he said, Jim, thank you for preaching the gospel to my people here in this country. Thank you. And I go, you're welcome. It's my joy. And we talked about bringing a number of artists in to celebrate the resurrection there in the Mother Teresa uh, Cathedral there. In the cathedral, and we have a picture. I don't know if we're going to show that picture. We won't this morning. But there, there's, you know, and typically in many Catholic churches, you have the crucifix, which is center. And, of course, you know, evangelical Protestant, we go, he's not on the cross anymore. He's risen. <laughs> you know, amen, right? That's just true. But in this particular cathedral, if you look back on the wall, there's the risen Lord right in the middle of this cathedral. And this is such a refreshing sight in the midst of this city of two million people uh, of which 99% are Muslim. And there's about, uh, there's actually 1,200 evangelicals, right? Praise God for the little herd. And there's 65,000 Catholics. And the youth leader came to me along the way in one of the visits, and he said, you know what? He said, I am humbled that you as a non-Catholic came to us. And he had tears in his eyes, and he just thanked us for coming. So anyway, it was an honor to be there. I'll tell you more about maybe that in a minute. But I want to give you a window, and I'm going to have Ann introduce it, just a window into what took place in Bulgaria. We were honored to have David and Vicky again with us. You get to enjoy them in, in Switzerland, but we get to enjoy them in Bulgaria and in Finland and in different places in Europe, and there'll be more to come there. But uh, Ann, why don't you introduce this? Well, this was our uh, third year to do a camp, a youth camp in Bulgaria. And uh, we're working with, I think Devorah was here last year. Is that true? Uh, Devorah has since gotten married and has a wonderful, they make an, a power team together. And uh, David and Devorah now. And we're working with that family, of course, the Kovacheva family. And um, it was just an amazing time. Uh, David and Vicki were there. Uh, you're going to see them on the video we're showing. And um, it was just uh, um, an amazing time. What's interesting about that particular scenario is that um, Bulgaria is not, 
doesn't have a Christian heritage like so much of Europe. It's, it came from a communist era, and so the communists are atheists. And so most of these teenagers that come to the camp, they are from atheist communist families. And the only church that is there that is a, a, a state church is the um, Bulgarian Orthodox. And they don't even, they speak some sort of language in their services. Nobody knows what it is, I guess, um, except the priest. <laughs> and so it's not really relatable to the normal person. It's like a cultural, historical icon, the church is. But so the people that are there that we have, uh, the teenagers at the camp, they are the majority of them. There are some Christians that come. But the, the kids, it's mixed, and the kids that are not Christians that come to that camp are from communist uh, atheist backgrounds. And it's really amazing to see their, um, their experience coming into the presence of God. And for us, for Jim and I, every, every song, every dance, every painting, uh, every drawing is worship to God. And in the midst of that, the presence of God is there, and it reveals who he is, his character, his beauty. You know that the beauty reveals who God is? Beauty reveals who God is. That's why he gave us the creation. And he says, no man is without excuse because of the beauty of what I created. And when we reflect that through creativity and art, we reveal the face of God. And we see that there. Um, there was one night where we just sort of looked over in the middle of um, this, all this beautiful art coming forth. Happened to be Rand, Randall Flynn's dance group. And there were just a couple of girls just, and they were from the atheist backgrounds, on their faces, weeping on the floor because of the revelation of God. This is what happens at these camps. Well, you didn't get to see the whole thing. The first little statement up there is a quote from a, a European, an artist, who said, uh, the greatest art is loving people. That quote is from Vincent van Gogh, who was an evangelical. Most people don't realize he was a stumbling evangelical and didn't have a lot of people who were taking care of him. But that's why I think, you know, we're doing what we're doing, trying to find these people. And I'm going to make sure that it's like, I'm going to sing a song that leads into some thoughts I want to share. And Solomon's going to help me. Here we go. This is just a, it's a prayer. And... I don't know if you can hear the guitar. I don't have it. This is one of those old, non, just regular acoustic guitars. But it's okay. I can put this between it. Here we go, like this. Make sure it's in tune. Okay. I but you 
Whom have I but you? Though the mountains fall, they fall into the sea. Whom have I but you? Whom have I but you? Though my color dawns May change to shades of gray Whom have I but you? Oh, Lord, whom have I but you? My God, though my questions all may never be resolved, whom have I but you? Oh Lord, whom have I but you? My God, though the mountains fall, they fall into the sea, and though my color dawns may change to shades of gray and though my questions all may only in that final day be resolved whom if I but you whom if I but you Oh, Lord. Amen. You know, we talk about these wonderful stories of grace. I loved all those stories this morning. That's why I call you the real church. Uh, it's not the only real church, but the real people of God, where little things, big things, you know, God is at work in little ways and big ways, and it's just refreshing that we can be mindful of that. Uh, no, it doesn't always go the way we think it should go, does it? You know, uh, the flight's delayed, we miss a meeting, or, you know, things just happen that we don't expect. Someone dies that we knew would not die. Have you ever experienced that? I have. But we know Jesus is on the throne, and he, he does well. And we trust him. When we sing, I love that song, oh, good, so good, you are good, because he is good. Yes, we may not find it all out until we stand before him that day, but we will. We will find that, and our questions will be resolved. And so we have a lot of questions as we journey on in life. But I want to talk to you today a few thoughts, and I'm going to give you an example of a life uh, about uh, what you leave in your trail, 
what you leave in your trail behind you, what, when you come to work. Because most of us feel like we're missing God somehow, you know. Most of us feel like, well, okay, it was a 20, 80% day. You know, I was 20% stop that. Uh, 20%, uh, uh, you know, okay today. Or I was in the 67 percentile of holiness today. You know, it was a reasonably good day. You know, uh, or, you know, we always feel like we're coming up just a tiny bit short. But, you know, we just look at it in an skewed way. And the Lord wants to set us free from that type of anxiety. He really does. You know, and he just wants you to end the day like you start the day. I need you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, and I need you, Lord. And we just journey on through life that way. And so I want to tell you, uh, give you a little bit of a story that will help you understand some of the ethos of what we do. Yes, you saw in the picture, although it was a little bit short in the beginning, you didn't see, talk about the Balkans that said, here we are in Southern Europe. Uh, and we work in arts camps. Why do we work in arts camps? Well, because we're not winning the arts for Jesus. He redeemed everything for himself. He's the copyright holder to all that is, and that's what we preach and we proclaim. And he's the redeemer of all that is. Uh, for, uh, Colossians uh, 1, I think it's 17 and 18, for all things have been redeemed by the blood of the cross. So we don't try to capture things for him. They're captured. They belong to him. We're just slow, called human beings, sometimes to perceive that and to surrender ourselves, right? And then uh, when we do surrender ourselves, then we get to know this beauty that dance is his idea, that drawing is idea, that Acting is an idea, that plumbing is his idea, that government is his idea, that politics is his idea, that nursing is... I mean, he's the ruler of all that is. Yes, you're going to take my guitar. Thank you, Jerry. Because Solomon may fall. Uh, we don't want that. So, I mean, whereas you know, there's things that happen in our lives we don't understand. but So all we need to be concerned about is, by the grace of God... What he allows us to deposit in the way of seeds and life wherever we go. Wherever we go. Now, I'm going to give you a little example, and then I'm going to get into the story a bit. So, we're at McDonald's. Here I am at Middle Lothian Light Church, and I'm talking about McDonald's. And I'm a European missionary. We're not big McDonald's fans, okay? I'm sorry. I, it's a great food place, okay? But it's just not our favorite place. But in the States, we go to McDonald's because you get the menu, $1 menu. We love that. I do like that. They have the Euro menu. It's a Euro menu in, United, in Europe. So we go there occasionally. But, so we're in McDonald's, and we walk up to this young girl. I'm late. I'm getting something taken care of. Anne's ordering the food. And as she's ordering the food, you know, this little pregnant girl, she must be at least 19 or 19 years old. And, uh, and so Anne is ordering the food. And I come up just a moment later, and Anne says, oh, I hope I ordered the right thing. I think I totally confused this girl. And I'm so sorry, because she was ordering like you do in Europe. I want a big breakfast. He goes, well, how big of a breakfast do you want? Well, see, in Europe, the big breakfast is, a, is the name of the product they have, you know. So, and, so anyway, it, it was a bit confusing there for, for a moment. And Anne said, well, I ordered this, Jim. I'm sorry. I said, oh, honey, it doesn't make any difference. I don't know what I said, but just in that little exchange, she just tears up, and tears begin to grow down her face. She goes, whoa. She goes, it was, it was just this exchange that Anne and I had. And it was, a, it was a seed. It was just a little light. It was just loving Anne. She was loving me. And this young girl was overwhelmed. And I said, well, what's your name? She goes, my name's Brianna. I said, well, I pray for a healthy birth for your little, little one. Is this, your, is this your first one? She said, yes. So and the only reason I'm sharing that is say, 
It's not big things. It's just life. And it's beautiful if you can enjoy these moments. Because this little encounter with Brianna, and we're, I'll pray for Brianna beyond this point, but this little encounter with Brianna was important as anything. It was important as anything. It's just leaving a little deposit of something's natural. Now, Anna's always not that sweet to me. I mean, I'm not always that sweet to her. I mean, listen, we, we get into it like any normal couple, like Dan and Connie. You've been around them. You know how life is. <laughs> but, you know, but we are light givers. We are light bearers. We are, and we don't even have to try. If you just walk in the light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ is, is cleanses us. But something is transferred into people's hearts. We're in Mexico, you're going to go on the streets, but on the way to the streets, you know how it is. On the bus, in the car, uh, the taxi driver, who knows? God does. And if you can enjoy that part of the journey, then you're a long way ahead of the game, if I can put it that way. If you can enjoy that and not just think of when I get there. And I like what you said. It's true. We're all missionaries. We really are. Lauren Cunningham says it this way. You're either a missionary or a mission field. And, and we are. And I don't mean you just talk for Jesus. You love with Jesus. You walk with Jesus. You listen to Jesus. You love people. You receive love. You grow. You stumble. You stand. You move forward. Okay. I'm just talking about life. And so that, that little scene sort of leads me up now. I'm going to talk about the, the trail that we leave. I want to talk to you about our favorite place. And just for a few minutes, really, well, a few minutes. I've got, what, a little few minutes anyway. I'm talking about, uh, I call it Annette's Austria. We went to Europe in 1973. Not, excuse me, in 1976 we went to Europe. Anne and I married 75. So we've been married 43 years, been in Europe 42 years. And, uh, and before we went, you know, in 73, I went to, I snuck in at Christ for the Nations. You've heard of that school, I think. Um, I snuck in on Sundays because I was attending Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's a mouthful. It really is. And uh, so uh, it was really two different worlds. And so I snuck in on Sunday afternoon. And then, lo and behold, one of the first times I ever encountered, and, and it was an epiphany that took place as I went into Christ for the Nations that day, behold, there was a woman speaking. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I was raised in Memphis, Tennessee. If you don't know much about Memphis, it's called Misogynyville, USA. Women, uh, I know there's a lot of wonderful people in Memphis, God. There's a, it's changed. Hallelujah. I've changed. Hallelujah. Uh, and Ann says, amen. Uh, but, you know, I was raised to not really understand. I was raised in a very conservative evangelical world, for which I'm very grateful in many ways. But there was this uh, bent understanding about women. And, and I went there that day, and lo and behold, God was speaking through a woman. And that message that came to me that day profoundly began to shake me. She said, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. For thus says the Lord, if any man boast, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the God that exercises mercy, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, and these things I delight, says the Lord. I memorized that verse from her message that day. And I walked out of that, that meeting thinking, well, God uses women. I, I know that's stupid, but that's 
true. And then the woman's name was Joy Dawson. You know Joy Dawson, okay. She was a pretty powerful woman. <laughs> she was. And uh, so then I came to Europe and said, God kept on laying the axe to the root uh, in my life. Through, uh, and uh, that introduced, that brings me to Annette that I'm going to talk about, Annette's Austria. And Annette Kirkby was my, one of my first women leader. Well, my first woman leader was a German Putzfrau, a cleaning lady named Crystal Kloster. And, and my first missionary assignment was cleaning toilets. And she taught me, if you really want to learn how to clean toilets, you have to learn from a German cleaning lady. Because, and I know, if, you, if I think many Americans are like me, you would think you would die if you got that close to any toilet. But I learned that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I cleaned toilets, and it was my place of intercession. It was a place of dealing. You know, it was great. I was alone. I could lock the door. And she taught me how to clean the shower. And, oh, my goodness, I can't tell you what I discovered about showers. And especially what you're supposed to do if you clean them. <laughs> anyway, so God was using women in my life. And, 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 and because he was laying the root, an axe to the root in my life to, to get over this ridiculous notions that I had that had almost ruined my life. And, uh, and he did get me over it. One of the ways was through giving us Annette Kirkby. Annette Kirkby was a New Zealander. And I'm going to read a verse uh, and as I introduce Annette, a verse that we're all really familiar with, and I'm going to put a little bit different slant on it. We love this verse, especially in our world of missions. And we've heard this said at Church of the King many, many years ago, Beverly Hills, back in the early days. But it says this, uh, and I read it just the, this is the version that I borrowed from your little room in there. It says, ask of me, and I shall give you the heathen for the, thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Now, I'm going to get a new slant on this a bit for us. And this is he's, when the Lord says, I want you to ask me, and I want to give you a people that are not your people. I want to introduce you to something you never dreamed of before in your life, I want to bring you through a culture barrier that you could not penetrate unless I brought you through. And I will bring you through, and this is part of your inheritance, to be brought to these new places and to this people. And in that, I'm going to give you my heart for these people. And it's even in a place you never conceived called the uttermost part of the earth. That is a place that you never even knew existed and this is going to be yours because you know why? It's mine. Now, this is my rendition of this. God said, the whole earth is mine. It's mine. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you places where you could never go on your own. And so here was Annette Kirkby, who ended up being my, our first woman leader that was the most authentic, the most honest. She heard God like she breathed. And that's no exaggeration. You know, when someone dies, we always make it. You know, grander and bigger, but really, I don't think I could do that with Annette because she loved waltzes, she loved Austria, she loved people, and she heard God pristinely clearly. And I remember when she came to us in 1979, when Anne had prayed, we had prayed silently without her knowing anything, and uh, and given up the right to have children because through my suicide attempt when I was 17, I lost that lost that capacity. You know, I shot myself. You know the story. Some of you know it. And uh, God had, and so Anne was crying, and, and then Annette came to us, I think it was within that week, I don't know, Anne, you might remember, but she said, you know, the Lord was, I was praying, and God spoke to me, that he, he said he's going to give you a special child. 
And uh, that was a prophetic word that we received for our son, David. Uh, my son, my bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, adopted. And thankfully, through him, he's six foot two. We have long genes in the Mills line. And, and he is, a, I love my son. He is the delight of my heart. He is an apple of my eye. But it was a fulfillment of a word from a woman, a marvelous woman of God. And what she had left, what she left in her trail. She left seeds. She left change in Ann and me. She left change in my life. Annette, uh, to give you a bit of the story, because I'm going to lead you into a whole idea of this idea of nations. I'll give you nations, it says. And so, uh, in short, the story goes like this. Annette and Bruce Cluett were in southern Germany. We met them the first week. I met them both the first week we were there in 1976. And while we were in language school, and Annette and Bruce, I found out behind from, from others that they prayed and fasted every Friday fully for God to move in Austria. This is in 73 to 78. To date, the, the renewal movement or the work of the Holy Spirit in Austria had not been, nobody, it wasn't happening. Now, I don't think that Bruce and Annette were the first ones that probably prayed. Probably goes further back to at least the Moravians because they had 100-year-long prayer chain. And they were praying for Europe all the way around. I imagine Bruce and, and Annette were, were results of some prayer that went on back in that era. It's very possible, you know. So prayer is an insurmountable, significant, expedient reality for things God wants to do tomorrow. So don't ever feel like it's, it's a little, just a little, I just have a prayer ministry. You know, it's a very important layer of what God is doing. If you just have ears to hear and you join in with him to intercede. In the, I don't mean your three hours in the morning. I mean as you're going to the dentist, you know, as you're just going about life. You're just carrying with you that, that awesome capacity to hear God. And so, so here are Netta and Bruce. They fasted these one day a week for five years. And then, boom, they went into Austria. In that era, they began to share unreservedly. And Bruce said, I'm a Protestant, but I'm just going to let them have it. You know, <laughs> he's going to. Austria is 99% Catholic. Okay. And so God, uh, then Ann and I came in 76. So we came in the middle of that season. And I think we were taken up in the mosaic of what God was, that they were interceding. And we didn't know it. And Bruce didn't know it. And, but God knew it. So we don't have to know everything, Right. You know, it just gets us all messed up if we, we know too much. We're on a need-to-know basis. And uh, we don't need to know everything. And so, but what happened is in the middle of that time, uh, I began to pray and seek God in 76, 77. Uh, I was fasting and praying. I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want us to do here in Europe? And all of a sudden, the dam broke, D-A-M broke. And I began to weep, and I interceded for the Catholic world. I was raised in Memphis. There's only one Catholic phenomenon in Memphis, and it was a football team that beat everybody. <laughs> and I did not like Catholics. <laughs> I mean, I just didn't because I was Baptist. And Baptists and Catholics were like Samaritans and Jews. You know, we just are in different worlds. Okay, but see, God was doing something beautiful. Not only did he use women in life, but he used a woman named Anetta, and then he, he brought us into a world this penetrating this world that we could never penetrate. And this is what he's doing with you if you let him. 
I'm going to do one little side little rabbit and, and then say this, and I'm going to go on with the story. Jesus at the well in Samaria. No Jew did that. You know that. They crossed over the Jordan on the east side. They went north to Galilee if they had to go there, right, Dan? But he, Jesus, who is a rabbi, took his disciples into Samaria, unholy land. And they were super paranoid. And so what happened, it says in verse 8 in chapter 4 of John, that they were there at the well. And Jesus was alone at the well. And I remember reading that one day. I said, Lord, why were you alone at the well? Weren't there at least 12 others? Well, there weren't exactly 12. There might have been eight by that time or maybe a few more. And so the question came to me as I read this. The question came to me, came to me how many people does it take to get lunch for nine people? I said, eight? <laughs> if there was nine people all together? Or 12? I said, well, they're probably like youth of the mission. They're very unorganized. And I guess maybe they needed help. Uh, but, and I love youth of the mission, okay? I was, in, I was one of them, you know, for a long time. So what happened is, so these disciples had to be removed because Jesus was going to go. First of all, they were in Samaria, the unholy land. That was already weird enough. But Jesus was going to speak to a woman, which I cannot relate to you how wrong it was in his day. Not for him. Not for God. And it wasn't wrong in reality, but it was perceived as wrong. And so then he penetrated that world. And so I heard the Lord say, he said, now, I have a question. Do you want to go get lunch for me or do you want to penetrate new worlds for me? Now, you can still go to McDonald's and, and, and encounter God, okay? And so I'm not saying that it's wrong that you go make lunch for Jesus, you know, but let's just say, okay, Lord, if I go make lunch for you, it's because you really want me to, not because you had to give up on the idea of bringing me where you really wanted to bring me. Okay, can we all say yes and amen? I want to be willing. I want to be willing. I want to be willing to go new places with him, through him, by him, for him. Amen. And so Annette was one of those people. And then we were taken into our Austria. And then so to get on to hyperjump into the story now. Here is many years later. I met many years. How many years later? This was in 1976. Now we're moving to 2017. Many years later. Now Anne and I worked for many years in Austria. We led worship and pure Catholic events. We prayed with nuns and priests in the early days. And then God moved us out of that group and he broke a heart for another strange group. They're called artists. So, you know, we sort of transitioned into new groups along the way. You know, and, we're, and now we're back into the Catholic world. And we're among, in the Muslim world somewhat too. So he's, he's allowing us to penetrate worlds. And so here we are in 2017. And I, I speak with Bruce Cluett, who's my friend, who's the guy that prayed five day, you know, every five years, every Friday. And... He says, you need to meet Georg Meyer-Meinhof. He's in Salzburg. He's a magistrate. He is an engineer. And uh, so I need, we had coffee with Georg, and he told us a story of what was going on. Well, the story is this. So Georg came to the Lord about 12 years ago, and he was just a normal Catholic. His family were wealthy. They owned a mountain outside Salzburg called Unterberg. And uh, in that, on that mountain... Uh, they don't live. It's just a piece of property. But it's a very valuable piece of property. 
And uh, so Gary told us some of the story. And what happened was he went to, the, to a Catholic cardinal named Cardinal Schoenborn in Vienna. And he said, I've really encountered Jesus. This is about 12 years ago. I've really met Jesus. And the cardinal says, that's wonderful. He said, uh, and he said, I don't know what to do. And the cardinal said, I know what you're supposed to do. He said, don't be afraid. Now, don't be afraid. He said, you need discipleship. He said, don't be afraid. I've got a friend, and he is a Protestant, but don't be afraid. <laughs> His name is Bruce, and I'm going to send you to him. Now, this is a Catholic man of God, a cardinal, a cardinal who's sending a significant member in his grand, the Grand Parish of Austria to a Protestant for discipleship. So that Georg and a few of the six or seven who were new believers went with him there. And as a result of there, today, last year in April 2018, there were 9,000 young Catholics in the dome in Salzburg. These 9,000 Catholics went up on top of the mountain uh, called the Festung there. That's the, the fortress. And they stretched out their hands interceding for revival in all of Salzburg. These people two years ago when there were only 7,000 had Nicky Gumbel come down and speak to them. Nicky Gumbel is the Anglican minister from Holy Trinity Brompton who started the Alpha Course. One of his members was an actress who went to Toronto, you heard of Toronto, and was blessed. She came back and infected the whole church with revival. God uses artists. <laughs> and then, as a result, she was an actress, I believe. In any case, this, uh, out came the Alpha Course, and then Nikki was invited to speak to this massive group of young people. And uh, they, uh, we heard on that day, specifically, that the priest got up and he said, I don't care if you've been raised in the church. Uh, I want you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come down here and I want you to kneel. You're going to give your lives to the Lord. And that's happening throughout Austria. As a matter of fact, they took a census in Austria, Bruce tells me recently, that 56% of young people say they believe in Jesus. And it's not, no, not that I'm Catholic. I believe in Jesus. I am a Christian. I'm willing to be identified as a Christian. So there's something new going on in Austria. And it's beautiful. But this is, now what does Annette have to do with that? Well, Annette... Annette was the intercessor who went in. And I used to go, Ann and I used to go down into Austria, and we would teach, we'd lead worship. And, you know, Bruce invited us to go down there, but I didn't want to go down there because I didn't think it was going to be great working with Bruce because we were too much alike. Uh, I call us twins. I'm the pretty part of the twinship. He's the ugly part of the twinship. Anyway, so, but I, anyway, but God, that's okay. God just never did send us down there, but he allowed us to enter in over and over and over again. And uh, during that season, we, we tasted much of the fruit of all that was going on. Our music, this, some of the songs I've sung here, is, is in, German, in German, and it's sung in, in Austria. And uh, I've sung in corners that no Protestant has gone before. And it was just the grace of God. It was only the grace of God. I'm a Baptist Memphis boy. That doesn't happen unless God takes you by his grace where you can't go your own. And even in the world of arts. But again, Annette's story is what I want to magnify here. So, Annette, in 1983, she said, Jim, you should pray about coming to Austria now. It's been seven years. You know, you and Anne need to pray. She said, don't be afraid of Bruce. 
And so, so I said, okay, well, I'll fast and pray. So in the Olympics in 84, I interceded and fasted for five days. I said, Lord, are you telling to go to Austria? If you do, well, I'll obey. And we were, uh, we were in YWAM still at that time. And the Lord said, no, I'm not sending you to Austria specifically, but you can go there. And so, I, and then that summer, I heard Annette fell sick. Now, before Annette went home to, Aust- to New Zealand to visit, she was praying for people in Austria, and they were falling out like flies. But it wasn't a big deal to her. Now, if she would waltz across the, in, in the Waldschlüssel, they called it in those days. They loved waltzing. And at the same time, she was just laying hands on people, and they're going, bloom, bloom, bloom. She was just a woman of God who laughed and was real and authentic. She, she laughed at my jokes. And, and we, were, we were really close friends. And so here she is. She's sick. And I'm saying, Lord, I know if you're going to do anything, you're going to heal Annetta. I mean, dear God, I know you're going to heal Annetta because I just know that you're not going to start something that beautiful. And you're going to take, no, that's, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You know I'm rebuking that, Lord. And so David and I, he's three years old, we're praying one night. I get a phone call from my friend from Seattle at that time or somewhere wherever he was. And he said, Jim, Annette died today. And I said, what? I said, I do not understand you, Lord. I don't, I don't understand why you do this, why you do these things. I trust you, but I don't understand you. You see, it's, it's okay. All of us are going to have these points, but don't stop don't stop there like Terah and build and name a city. You see, Abraham and Terah was Abraham's father. And Terah was supposed to go on. He had a vision to go to Canaan. And he stopped because his son, Terah, died. Named a city after him. And so God said, Abraham, okay, you come on. I'm going to take you to here. Where his father was going, but his father stopped. Now, whether it was God's will that Terah stopped or not, I don't know. But I'm trying to, the point of the matter is don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. And Annette left a legacy. She, her seed fell on the ground. And I'm going to just close some of these thoughts with this verse in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 was a number of parables there. And one of the parables, the last parable, you know, Jesus said, or the next to last parable, was about. The sower who went and sowed seeds. And, uh, and as he was sowing, it says, and the disciples listened, and they came back, and they said, we, this is great, Jesus, but could you explain that one? <laughs> could you please explain that parable? He said, okay, I'll, I'll explain it to you. You're supposed to have the mysteries of the kingdom, but I'll tell you what that means. He said, the, the sower in this parable is the son of God, the son of man, the son of God. And the seeds are the sons, and I'm going to take my liberty, the daughters of the kingdom. He said, and the son, he said, the field is the world. And he said, I am sowing seeds. Will you let me sow you somewhere? And so God allowed Ananias to be sowed in Europe. But you know, if you're sowed here, it's not because you were unwilling to go somewhere. Do you understand? You're not failures because you didn't go. He's sowing you where he will. If you're just willing, let him sow you. And then he doesn't sow a seed just to fulfill an idea of, well, praise God, I sowed a seed. You know, He has an intention with the seed. It's called 
fruitfulness. It's called a tree. It's called cultivating our world. It's called making culture. It's called glorifying God. It's called letting your light shine before men that they may see these marvelous things you get to do and your Father is perceived in His brilliance. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And so Annette is a role model for us. That she is a short story lived well. A New Zealander who went to a people who were not her people. And she fulfilled this verse. And was introduced. And so it, there's people right here in this part of the world that are not your people. But he wants to take you to them in a new way, doesn't he, Dan? And he is doing that already. He's doing that already. Some of you are enjoying that beauty. You're not a prisoner, are you, Carrie? <laughs> You're not a guilty. Well, we're all guilty. But, I mean, you don't belong there. But he, he's sowing you there. And all of us are sown somewhere. So I just wanted to encourage you today to, to realize that you are to leave in your trail and know that every moment, is no, there's no mundane moments without significance in the mind of God. You know, there are no mundane moments for God. If you just enjoy that reality. We all need to enjoy that reality and be reminded. And that he'll bring fruit in and through your lives. Whether you go to Mexico. Whether you go to downtown Dallas. Or whether you just go to work. It's the same thing. It's all the same thing. The mission field's not over there. The mission field is here. And it's not just about talking. It's just about living. Loving. Connecting. Enjoying. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. You are the potter, and we are the clay. Lord, you, you, uh, you do marvelous things. You're so patient, and we thank you. We thank you for your patience with us, that you are determined, as our brother prayed earlier, that to finish the work you began in us until the day of Christ. And Lord, so here we are. Lord, whatever thoughts that were from you, and I believe there were some thoughts from you today, let them grab our hearts and, uh, and not uh, accompany us like good friends and walk with us in, these coming, in this coming season. That wherever we are, we are an aroma by your grace of life, Lord. And not because, it's only because we tasted life and we continue to drink from you. And so, Lord, thank you for the grace on this church, this special, real body of people, this unique, diverse, eclectic bunch. Lord God, that you will continue to cause them to blossom like a bouquet wherever you've planted them. And that they will see and be encouraged and watch you do things, Lord. Many things we don't understand, but it's okay. We release them into your hands, Lord. Right now, intentionally, we let go of things we don't. We're not denying them. We're not trying to run from those things. We just say, Lord, you can explain it if you wish. We just entrust ourselves to you. We thank you for your faithfulness over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>